What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 11 of FBL Hotline. I'm your host, Matt Tomo, joined, as always, by C4, Gash, and Taz. What's up, guys? Hey. What's up? How we doing? C4, are you okay, man? You uh, you look sad. You're sitting <laughs> in the dark. <laughs> Everything okay? I don't know, man. I'm just ready to go to sleep and listen to Frank Ocean. I'm done for the night. I, I know that feeling. So let's let's get through this quick so you can go uh, enjoy that. So let's get uh let's get started with our game week six recap here. Um low like them apple bottom jeans is the title that C4 chose for for this segment. So um not my fault if you don't like it. Uh, but, uh, shout out to a uh, Flow Rider, of course. So C4, let's let you get started here. What were your main takeaways from uh, game week six? I'm just gonna be honest right now. I was probably 21 when I realized Flo Rida was like Florida, and he just decided <laughs> to sport it. Um, I mean, but, you're, you're Canadian, so that's okay. Like, but yeah, uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but probably my biggest takeaway from game week six was not to take much away from it. I feel like most people did really poorly on it from an FPL points-wise perspective. Like looking through FPL Twitter, most of the big accounts had rough weeks. So I'm not trying to overreact to it, but I think there's some players who performed poorly with a bad run of form who continued that trend, who I could actually take something away from. So like someone like Trent, you could take that, you could take something away from that. Someone like Mitrovic, you could take someone something away from that. But you know, Salah, Sterling Blanking, Pulisic too, I won't take anything away from that. Well, you said you could take something away from that. What what's that? What what do you take away from Trent and Dimitrovic? Ah, uh, that Fulham are pretty <laughs> shit. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we knew that, uh, but they're they're, they're thought, worse than we thought somehow. I think Mitrovic is worse than we thought. I thought he'd be yeah. good for like 10, 15 goals, you know, but the man's missing penalties, so don't know yeah, about that. that. That's rough. I mean, he's also not getting much service, but missing the penalty is... I, I initially thought going into the season that of my two budget forwards, Mitrovic and Shea Adams, that Shea Adams had the higher potential of being a problem child. But now he mm-hmm. has, I think, four returns in six games, and he's pretty much nailed on for me at that 5.8 million spot. Yeah, it's great. I'm so glad I held on to him during my wild card. Can I ask a question? No. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Anyways. You already did. So, you know when, so when you get a price rise with a player, you only accumulate point one for every point two that he rises. Right. Because I ha- I bought Shea Adams at six and he's five point eight now. If he goes back up to six, do I get the full six or is he only five point nine for me? You get six. Okay. I think that only applies when they're above their original price, right? Yeah, okay. it depends. Yeah, it depends on the price you bought him for. Yeah, it, it compares to the price you buy him. Oh, that you bought him, not, yeah. not like the original player's price. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No. So he dropped point two after those first two weeks. People really got that after, scared. After the first maybe four like weeks three and four, yeah. He like yeah. he blanked pretty heavily in the first three for sure. So mm-hmm. oh, his first four games were two, one, five, and two points. So yeah, I I could see it. I could see why. And you were also mentioning Trent. What did you uh? What did you get from Trent? Well, just I know he was unlucky to have that goal called back with the sister mm-hmm. who was, I think, to Salah. Was it Salah? But, like, still, when you compare him to Robertson and now with the additional injury to Liverpool, it almost makes it like, oh, what are you doing on my FPL team? You're yeah. not giving me anything. But mm-hmm. we'll get into Liverpool a little later. 
yeah, I'm, I'm looking for a way to get rid of Trent. Uh, I'm still on the Liverpool double up. But, uh, yeah, we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, Gash, what are your main takeaways for this week? Yeah, so there's a scene in the first Madagascar movie that I think sums up pretty well. <laughs> what? Um, so the whole the whole movie, if you're not familiar, the penguins in Madagascar are trying to get to the South Pole because that's where they think they belong and that's where they really want to be. So eventually they reach there and they're just standing around in the snowstorm for like 10 or 15 seconds saying nothing. And then one of them goes, well, this sucks. That's exactly, that's exactly how I felt about this past game week because there was pretty much, you know, I was looking around and there was like everything around me just crumbling to the ground and it was all going poorly. Um, in all seriousness, I mean, I think it was kind of telling that Sun and Kane were the two that um, actually returned um, as they've been, you know, uh, on fire pretty much to start the season. So I'm glad I finally got them in on my wild card. Um, and then my one other thing is somehow, uh, un unbeknownst to all of us, that Aston Villa actually aren't going to have an undefeated season and they lost the game. So that, that, that was not fun for me. With that. <laughs> I actually started all three of my Villa players this past weekend. So after that happened on, on Friday, I was like, well, crap, <laughs> this might not go too well. So not, I told you, man. I told you you were ballsy for that. Aston Villa triple. Yeah, see, the thing is, I, I have 2.2 million in the bank, so I was planning on, you know, keeping Target as a defender and upgrading McGinn to, like, a seven-point-something or Grealish to, like, someone in the nines and keeping mm -hmm. the other two. Right, um, but right. then this week, I was like, no, they should, it should be okay for one week. I'll roll the free transfer and, uh, you know, but I don't know. It's all right. It happens. It was a bad yeah. week for, for everybody except me. I mean, I did all right. Uh, I, I was on 57 points. With forgetting to set my lineup for the first time this year, uh, that that Friday Friday start really fucked me up. Uh, you guys texting me, shout out to you guys texting the group chat at uh, I believe like one thirty one in the afternoon. Like, hey, hey Tomo, did you forget? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I left the captain's band on Bruno. That was my that was my one big problem with the league. But besides that, I I had a great week from Bamford. Um, Jimenez returned. Adams returned. Like I wasn't, I wasn't upset. I moved up a couple spots this week, so I'm all right, despite forgetting to set the lineup. And now I have two transfers in the bank for this week, so kind of worked out. And hopefully that's the one time that happens this year. <laughs> Is there another? There's another Friday deadline this week, right? Or, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna sync it up with my like calendar here and <laughs> never forget. Um, nah. Taz, Taz, how about you, man? What'd you get from this week? I kind of agree with what you guys said is this week is like kind of a just move on week. It's hard to take some you know concrete things from it, especially like, you know, Leeds being a dark, dark horse team they were, beating Aston Villa is kind of sad not to see them return any attacking points. Um, it's also sad to see uh, same thing after Everton. And now uh, with Lucas Dini out due to the suspension, he's kind of looking a little bit rough for the next couple of games with him and Richarlison. So that's kind of what I took away from those games. And then, the only thing that I took away personally from my team, I, I liked seeing that when Newcastle lined up against um, Wolves, I saw ASM line up as a striker, and I have him still uh, rolled over from the beginning of the season. He's like he dropped down price now to five point three, but seeing him, he didn't get any points besides the clean sheet at one point being a midfielder. But seeing him play as a striker made me really happy, keeping him past my uh, wild card team two weeks ago. And yeah, now besides that, is it's more of like just like. Yeah, well, this game week sucked. Can we just move on to the next one? You know, it was, it was a very heartbreaking seeing uh, last game week all the premium assets are scoring goals and stuff like that. I think like our was it the average scores like in the 60s, and then this weekend like n nobody besides Kane and so on 
out of the premium assets really returning uh, points. It was kind of mm-hmm. sad to see uh, yeah drop. Yeah, good point about ASM. If he's if he's gonna continue playing up at striker for five point three in the midfield, that's that's a bargain. Uh, so I missed that match. Did he play alongside uh, Calvin Wilson, or what was the deal with that? Yes, so they lined okay. up in the um. I believe it was a four four two or something. Some okay. Variation okay. Of that, but it was just uh, them up to the top. Yeah, that could be cool. That could work. How'd they look? Was it was, looks promising? Maybe for the for, for moving forward. I I didn't really catch the game, but I just um I don't remember the exact underlying stats for ASM, but mm-hmm. it looked like he was kind of getting involved in the lineup, and even if he didn't come away with a goal, it was against like a you know a defensive Wolves team that Newcastle was able to tie one one. So mm-hmm. and I, I got lucky. Oh, sorry. I got, what? I got, I got for all the size owners out there. We we enjoyed that. He came off right before uh, the goal to get the. <laughs> so, for those people that went for that four point five or four point zero budget of Kilman, ha, sucks for you. <laughs> uh, C four. Did you watch your boys play? Your new I, I watched most of it until ah, like I would. I would say they looked pretty poor defensively in transitioning. Like Diego. <laughs> Like you look at the way the Wolves play, and they had so much possession in the final third, they just kept screwing everything up. I think Potent set up Neto like two or three times where he could have easily had some sort of return. But and if you look at the tying goal, Isaac Hayden's free kick, that was just it was luck. I wouldn't take too much out of it, but you know that's exactly what Brucey wanted. It's a Steve Bruce masterclass. We're going. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any uh, any final takeaways from the week? Any, any points you guys want to? I lost two, I lost two clean sheets in like a combined seven minutes, <laughs> so I'm pretty pissed. <laughs> I know that Fulham goal that took took away my Mitchell clean sheet points. Like it was two nailed down. It was the ninety fourth minute. Why are you trying like a thirty yard effort? Fucking yeah, Fulham. I, I don't think the players are worried about uh, our teams. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving on, moving on from uh, game week six, let's look forward a little bit here. Let's talk about Liverpool. Uh, how does that back line look now with the uh, the injury to uh, Van Dyke a week or two weeks ago? Um, we spoke a lot, a little bit about this last week, and let's also get into a bit of a Salah and Mane debate. Uh, so first, let's talk about that back line. Uh, Gash, you want to start us off? Yeah. Um- the back line's not looking too hot, and that's one of the reasons why I dropped my Liverpool-Robertson-Trent uh, double-up on my wild card. Um, Robertson's looked a lot better this season um, in terms of the numbers he's been putting up, and also just he tends to play a lot higher up the field. Um, Trent was kind of higher up in their Champions League game uh, yesterday, which is Tuesday, um, but I think that was because the winger on Robertson's side was a, a pretty skillful player and kept him pinned back the whole time. So they kind of just shifted everything over. But overall, Robertson's been getting the touches in the final third and um, um, the touches in the box and creating most of the chances. Um, but don't count out, you know, everyone starts dropping Trent and then all of a sudden he explodes for like 24 points like he did last season. Um, yeah. But at this point, I think Robertson is the, the logical better pick based on what we know. Yeah, and strangely enough, the fact that Robertson is the logical pick kind of makes me want to drop him and keep Trent. <laughs> like you said, I don't know. I just feel like anytime there's like an obvious choice, I make it and I'm wrong. So I think this time I might, I might, <laughs> might go with Trent. I got to look into those underlying stats a little bit more. But um, yeah, yeah, that Liverpool backline, we were so excited, you and I especially, with those Liverpool double ups. But uh, 
that, that lasted what, like four weeks, four and a half weeks? Well, I can't, I can't, I was excited in an FPL sense, but also pretty sad in a real life fan of course, sense. And, of course. And then yeah. you know, once they kind of started, you know, it's an awful, it's awful what happened to Van Dyke, but as a Man United fan, I mean, it makes Liverpool's team weaker. So I was kind of, when I was transferring out Trent, I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you tiptoed around that. You know, it's awful what happened to Van Dyke, but uh, yeah, as a United yeah. fan, uh, it's all right. <laughs> like, I, can't, I, can't, I can't be an asshole out here, listening. <laughs> uh, all right, C4, man, what are you thinking about that Liverpool backline? I mean, it, it's really playing with my emotions because now I think it was after game week six, the report was that Allison would be back, I think, this week or next week. But then, you know, midweek, Fambino goes down in the Champions League. So it's like just that constant emotional turmoil. And looking at how look Chelsea's looked and how good uh, United's looked, it's like, do I really want to have Trent still sitting there when I can upgrade my midfield and get another premium asset in there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that, that makes sense. Uh, Taz, how about you? Yeah, I'm on the same page. No, um, if it was just Van Dyke and Allison, I think he came back and played for them in that Champions League tie. You know, I would still feel somewhat comfortable with owning Robertson. You know, uh, I had Trent before and I switched over to Robertson during my wild card because Robertson's been performing better. Um, with underlying numbers uh, during the beginning of the season, but uh, now that uh. Fabinho went out during Champions League, and it's a hamstring. They have to, they had to. They said they have to get a scan for it. They don't know how like serious it is. So that kind of like no worries me that you know Liverpool didn't trust. You know they put a CDM back there, didn't trust their backup center backs. So it's kind of uh, you know, it's I don't think it's crazy to assume that you know Robertson will get the same amount of almost like chances or like Trent as like a midfielder in like that seven million pound range. You know, mm-hmm. kind of like I expect them to get similar like attacking potential, but right. um, but now you kind of eliminated their chances at a clean sheet almost fully with those injuries. That I feel like it's um, you know, for, for most of us, it's kind of like a chance of like you know we can uh, downgrade Robertson or Trent down to a uh, like a cheap budget midfielder, and then you can upgrade you know a midfielder like a Jack Grealish or you know or even like a Pulisic up to another premium uh, asset. So it kind of right. makes it. Reconsider your team structure. Yeah, absolutely. I wish I saw my wild card uh, now. I don't know if if I had the wild card, I honestly might drop both of them and not have a Liverpool defender at all. I don't. I don't see a, a ton of clean sheets happening. And like that's a really good point too about them putting Fabinho back there instead, instead of trusting their backups. And uh, now they're going to have to trust their backups if this Fabinho injury is going to be long term. So, yeah, tough tough stuff for Liverpool. Uh, you know. Gash is a happy about it, but um, it's uh, yeah. And let's uh, let's talk about Salah versus Mane a little bit. Um, uh, Taz, you want to start us off with that? Um, yeah. So I no, I kind of even though I, I saw like I can't remember exactly how many points, but Mane has been outscoring Salah in the past couple of game weeks. But at the same time, it's kind of like in the mm-hmm. end, in the long term, you know, I feel like Salah at the end of the season, I expect him to still have more points. You know. He's still on penalties over Mane. You know, it's it's happened like last season too. It was a couple you know game week runs where Mane had a better uh, you know stint, and everyone was like, oh, like transfer out Salah, transfer Mane. He did that, and like Salah comes back with like you know a brace or something. So I'm not too panicky, but I do think I do like uh, uh, what's the name Mane is a differential pick. I I look up right now to see how much he's owned, but I think you know he's definitely a great differential pick, especially for captaincy. I feel like most people. 
captain Salah as a safe choice, mm-hmm. but now that um, my you know mine has been performing almost the same level, it kind of be interesting, you know, to <laughs> captain him if you really want to have that differential pick. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to find it myself here. Uh, Salah is owned by 47.6 percent of players, and uh, Mane is all the way down at 9.5 percent. Yeah. Wow, that's huge. I did not expect it to be that much of a of a difference there. So huge differential opportunity if you stick with Mane. Um, where did they finish last season? Were they were they pretty freaking close? I think they were, right? Um, I mean, Salah, Salah finished better. Was- 233 Mane was 221 okay so relatively close but it's they solid, had, solid edge. yeah i think in the last season they had very close something it was like um sala was involved in like 41 percent of the liverpool's goals and like Mane was involved with 40 percent or like it was wow. something like ridiculously yeah. like close <laughs> like that we're like one percent off for both of them so yeah yeah um gash how about you yeah um you know i was looking at the numbers and and the last, so I, I checked the last four game weeks as kind of an indicator of the form. And Mane has a non penalty expected goals, so like expected goals from open play of 3.76 in the last four games, which is the highest in the league. And Salah's only at 1.85. Um, Mane's had eight big chances, Salah's had four. So, wow. like, keeping it like when, when you're looking at those, it's not that Salah's in bad form, it's just that Mane's been getting a lot of opportunities and a lot of chances um, to score. So I, I kind of agree with what Taz said, where um, if you own Salah, I don't think it's worth doing Salah, Salah to Mane transfer. Um, but if you are on a wild card or if you somehow don't own either of them and you're planning on bringing in one of them, that this could be the time to bring in Mane um, and, and save that. I, I think Mane's at maybe 11.8 or something. The, around He's under 12. He dropped. He was priced at 12 originally, and he dropped down from there. Uh, he's actually um, back at 12 now. He must have just rose. Oh, is he? Back okay. Up. Yeah. So, he just got back to 12. Okay. So anyway, so, he, so he's at 12 now then, which is the starting price. And I think Salah's at 12.4 now. So Mane's even coming a little bit cheaper. So you can save some of your budget there as well. Um, so Absolutely. again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't switch Salah to Mane. But if you're going for one of them without having either, then I think it's worth considering bringing in Mane instead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. C4? Personally, with dropping Liverpool defender, let's say with Trent, it, for me, becomes more of a conversation of not Salah versus Mane, but what about Salah and Mane instead of having like a city asset right now? Mm. I think earlier in this week, before midweek takedowns, I was considering... <laughs> I dropped Trent taking Sterling out and putting money in that spot. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's still something I want to do, but I, I think that could be a very interesting pick. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Uh, their next few fixtures is West Ham, City, Leicester. Um, they got Wolves in there. Yeah, so, you know, but both of those guys should be fixture-proof. Uh, See, much. To me, though, like with any Liverpool asset, I think what the double-up made – why the double up defense was attractive was their fixture proof. They don't really have any rough portions of the schedule. So if you have them in your team, you're not worrying about their fixtures. You're just worrying about their form, <laughs> which I think is appealing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, is it just me or is it like they kind of take turns hauling? It, it feels like well, I, it, feels it feels like, like money it's very rare that they away. won't have a good game. It feels like money hauls away and then Salah hauls at home. Mm-hmm. So that that's 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 actually like kind of a myth. 
they that was that's just how it happened last season. Salah happened to score a lot more points at home, but actually, if you look the season before, a lot more of his points came away from home. So it just you know Man, kind of just variation. I'm, I'm opening up to you and tell you what I'm feeling. <laughs> I don't know how much sense that makes, but I guess we'll just I, continue on. I, I guess <laughs> maybe we turn this into an FPL therapy session. <laughs> yeah, I would be. I would be kind of frustrated owning them both just because of that that uh, flip flop between them uh, on the on the days that they go off. But I I always try to not get stuck in that way of thinking uh, week to week. It's it's about the most points at the end of the season, you know. So not an awful choice to double them up, especially with. City looking a bit questionable recently, and uh, you know KDB was injured. Did come back uh, this week, played 80, 80 something minutes in the Champions League. So who knows if he'll be ready to go uh, fully this weekend? Uh, I think City's fixtures were a little tougher. Maybe yeah. Uh, these next few weeks they got uh, Sheffield shouldn't be awful, but then they got Liverpool, Tottenham back to back. For them to go to Burnley and Fulham, yeah. I mean that's an interesting call. Uh, how how close are you to doing that, uh, C4, to doing the Salah Mane? Are you, like, really heavily considering it? 20%. Okay, okay. Yeah, I don't I don't think I've seen anybody do that. Like, like when people send us their teams or whatever, you see the screenshots on Twitter all the time. I've never seen that. But it's interesting well, for sure. You lose so much money if you did that because if you let's say you start off with Salah right now, he went his price went up to twelve point four million. Right now right. you get twelve point two million from him if you sold them to Mane, right? So you bank the point two million extra. But then if you want to upgrade back to Salah, you have to make, like find somewhere else to find that point two extra from Mane, or unless Mane's price uh, rises much. But you know a nine percent ownership right now for his price to rise has to like that ownership has to increase significantly. Whereas like Salah's so heavily owned right now that like all the transfers affect this price significantly more. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I, it looks like Mane rose tonight, like this week. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, it. Taz, that's actually, it's actually kind of the opposite because if he's only 9% owned, then it's a lot, the, the number of transfers that happen will be a lot bigger percentage of his ownership than Is that Salah's. how it works? It's a, it's a percentage base? Yeah. 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 So that's why it's like easier for someone at like 2% ownership to rise than for someone mm-hmm. at like. 50%. Right, okay. Yeah, but I mean, Salah kept his uh, ownership high at 50 like around there for the entire season. He rose, rose up significantly. I'm just saying, like, um, he keeps the high ownership because people constantly transfer him in and out, so, mm-hmm. or mostly in. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I know I'm just saying with Mane only around 10% that he still no, yeah. can can rise pretty easily. Yeah. Just just out of curiosity, I went and looked at the, uh, the transfers in for this week, uh, like which players are transferred in the most. Mane is down at sixth, but uh, Jorginho is the fourth most transferred in player. 88,000 people transferred him in. I wonder if they're going to transfer him out as soon as they see that he missed a penalty in uh, the Champions League and Timo Werner took up to the second one. The fact that Timo took the second one is is a bit damning for for Jorginho. I mean, Jorginho Uh, was was off the field. Yeah, Yeah. so that's kind of... Okay, I missed that one. But still... uh, no, but Jorginho's uh, penalty record is like uh, earlier this year. I think they said it was like eleven for eleven out of like the recent memory. I don't, I don't know. But he's a really good penalty taker. I guess that's why a lot of people brought him in. But at five point three, Jorginho. I don't know about that. Yeah, a lot of people brought I think him. He's something like. I was Zaha just gonna say, I think well. he's like twenty. I think he was just gonna like twenty three for twenty six in his career or something. And you know, he's yeah. missed two already this season. 
So it was really just the one before that. Maybe the the rumors of him going to Arsenal got in his head. He, maybe he got a little excited for that, for moving to the red side of, of London. Are they hiring the new Gunner Soros? What'd you say? Are they going to hire him as the new Gunner Soros? <laughs> That's all I would take him as, honestly. I don't want that man anywhere near our midfield. Uh, but Zaha has the most transfers in this week. That's interesting. Uh, 263,000 people brought him in. Uh, I think his price rose too. Mm-hmm. Just, just throwing that out there. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Just a quick mention about Jorginho. Uh, looking at his stats for this, you know, this season, it's kind of a. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure all his three goals so far in six game weeks came from penalties. And, but you know, it's kind of interesting to see he has three goals and two assists. And two clean sheets for midfielder. Those kind of stats you would like love to see from like a five and a half, six, you know, million pound uh, mm-hmm. midfielder. So those people bring him in at five point three is not crazy, but you know, it's kind of you know we had the beginning of the season like where there's a lot of penalties being awarded. Is that going to stay the entire day of the season? You know, we're not sure. Um, especially the league came out. I think believe it was after game week two or three said so they're going to yeah. be a little bit more lenient with stuff like that. So you're going to see decline in that, but um. Yeah, no, I mean, for the value he's offering right now, I don't, I don't think it's going to be sustainable, but Virginia 5.3 mm-hmm. is not that bad. Yeah, I, I, I feel you. I probably let my uh, Chelsea hate get in the way a little bit. Oh, yeah, bit. me too. I have to, yeah. I have to cover the jersey. <laughs> yeah. And just look at this. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I mean, going back to that penalty thing, uh, I don't know the numbers officially, but it does seem like whatever the league said to the referees has worked. It seems like the penalties have died down a little bit. Um you know, because it was just so absurd those first two weeks. So, yeah, I, think, I don't know. Maybe it's not worth chasing penalty takers as much as we thought it would be. Uh, so that's why the Georgian move was a little interesting to me. Uh, if, if somebody had made that move in, like, week one, week two, I would, I would get it more. But we're going on Jorginho for far too long. Uh, this, this man does not deserve uh, a whole segment to himself. <laughs> so any final points on Liverpool, on the back line, on Salamane or Jorginho? Anything <laughs> All right, let's move on. Um, we got two popular midfield assets coming back this week, probably. Uh, KDB and uh, Ziyech. Are either of them going into your team? C4, why don't you start us off? So I was debating earlier today whether or not I should bring Ziyech into my team for this week. But based on him just coming back from injury, I think I'll wait, hold off on any midfield changes until... I see some consistency there, uh, mm-hmm. but I have no thoughts of bringing in KDB in right now. In fact, like I mentioned earlier, I'm thinking about selling off a City midfielder in Sterling. So. so you're just not feeling good about City at all right now? If Aguero was there, then my sweetheart, you know, I'd mm-hmm. feel good about him. But, you know, when they're struggling now in back-to-back games against Leeds and West Ham, it's, it's concerning. Yeah, it definitely is concerning, but at the end of the day, I feel like we got to remember that this is Manchester City we're talking yeah. about, you know, and, and they why. haven't had they've had the injuries to Aguero and to uh, Jesus, and that's been annoying. But it's not like it's not like <laughs> Liverpool where it looks like Liverpool are kind of falling apart, uh, and there's like really serious concern there. I just don't feel that same level of well, I would uh, argue stress that activity. I would argue that City looks lost in attack. Like there they was have, they moments, have, yeah. I don't think I think that's a system and not injury. Like, I mm-hmm. think Cancelo, he, like, the play along the wings doesn't look as fluent and doesn't look like they know what they're doing, let alone worrying about you don't have the central figures to capitalize on it. Right, right. Cancelo's really good. 
Cancelo's looked really good playing off the side. He's got a couple yeah, of there was there was a couple of moments too. last week where he had like questionable balls into the area. Like there was one well, yeah. time he could, but I'm sure they're okay with that if he's grabbing the rest of the game. Confirmation bias, yeah, happens happens the best of us. Um, no, nah, but definitely some concern for City. But I would say I, I'm still I'm bringing KDB back in this week. I took him out for the injury, uh, but I'm I'm probably gonna bring him back in. I, I don't. Uh, I don't feel awful about him. City definitely have slipped up, but I'm I'm just trying to keep in mind this is still Pep. This is still Man City. There's still goals to be had. You know, they, they don't seem to be crumbling as, as much as some people think. As for Ziyech, uh, I don't I'm, – I'm not considering him at all. Uh, I would consider Christian Pulisic before him. Uh, they're in the same price range. And, um, yeah, that, that's – that's, I would just consider Christian first, so that, that kind of just removes Ziyech for me. Uh, Gash, how about you? Bring in KDB or Ziyech? Um, as of right now, no. I have the one free transfer this week, so I'm going to bank it and hold it off, I think, for so I have two next week. If I What I'll say about KDB is if I did have to own a City player right now, it would definitely be KDB. Um, he had two assists in their game against Marseille in the Champions League midweek, um, so he it, it just shows how important he is to the team. But I think the things holding me off or are, like C4 mentioned, um, no Aguero now for at least a couple of weeks. Um, Jesus is still hurt for another week or two, so we're probably going to see Sterling and Stryker. And I don't trust Sterling's finishing too much. So I, I think KDB might necessarily um, still be creating the chances, but uh, until they have um, a clinical finisher up top, I, I think I'm going to hold off. And they also play um, Liverpool at home and Spurs away in game weeks eight and nine. So yeah. at one, 10 onward, and maybe the, the players will start coming back from injury and the, um, and the fixtures turn, so it might be a good combination. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Ziek, um, he did play 80 minutes, um, about I think about 80 minutes in their Champions League game this week. So just um, like one thing, same situation as Kevin. Yeah, right, there. right. So pretty much the whole game and just subbed off toward the end. The <laughs> one thing I noticed is that he wasn't on corners. Um, Chilwa was taking the corners. So I don't know if that's a short-term thing while he's still getting back to you know full fitness or if that's going to be a long-term thing and they'd rather have Chilwa on the corners. So uh, one of the attractive <laughs> – things about him was that he was supposed to be taking all their set pieces. Um, but if he's not on those, then he's going to lose um, at least a couple of assists um, over the course of the season. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I do agree with what you said that Pulisic looks, he makes the entire Chelsea attack look sharper and more fluid. So if I can fit him in for that extra 0.4 or whatever it is right now, I would rather do that. But then it's a question of, do I have that extra point for my team or should I just go with ZX? So I'm, I'm going to wait and see on both of those right now. Um, give them another week to develop and then kind of reassess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like your points about KDB uh, not having the finishers right now. That's, that's a big deal. He's, he's most of his points come from assists and come from setting other people up. Um, as far as each goes, I think that is going to be a long-term thing on the corners. Cause I don't see why his injury would, if he could play 80 minutes and run along with all around the pitch, I don't see why he wouldn't be able to take the corners. Yeah. So I, yeah. So I yeah. feel like that unless they have some sort of uh, like set piece things, like some trick plays or whatever that they've been working on. And, and he, he hasn't been in training enough to get comfortable with those. And I don't know if they do some special tactics on the set piece corners. I don't know. Maybe that's the only thing I could think of that might be holding him back for now. But uh, I understand why you want to wait and see on both of them. Uh, that makes sense for yeah. sure. Uh, Taz, how about you, bro? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll quickly just summarize my opinion on uh, KDB. I think, you know, he's a great asset, but I would wait for three game weeks until City play their, like, tough fixtures. 
Um, you know, I don't think these uh, injuries are really an excuse for a team like Man City due to their just depth is like crazy, and like half of their team, half their bench will be like starters or the best players in any other team. Absolutely. But it, it does, it does, um, kind of, it is a little bit worrisome, like seeing them struggle with these injuries. And I agree with Gash's point that, you know, KDB might be putting these balls and Sterling, you know, uh, his finishing is not the best. So it's kind of like, might not return as many points, but if you do have Sterling, I, I my opinion is I wouldn't transfer him out. I'll keep him right now because him playing a striker for these next two game weeks, you know, he could return a couple points and be uh, somewhat of, I guess, of uh, the French pick, but I'm pretty sure he is somewhat highly owned. Um, and in terms of for Chelsea assets, uh, looking in, I've, if Ziyech, he played a full 80, and I believe that uh, both Mason Mount and uh, Pulisic were rested and came on during uh, like the 70th and 80th minute respectively uh, in their uh, Champions League match. So I wouldn't transfer in ZS just yet. I feel like there's like Lampard's trying to bring him slowly into the team. Uh, I would definitely pick Pulisic uh, over ZH, but um, especially he came in in the 71st minute and scored a goal in the Champions League game. So kind of hopefully he, he just, you know, follows Timo Werner and uh, scoring in the middle of the week and then coming back on uh, the weekend and scoring a goal for me. Uh, I would love that having him on my team. But I think, uh, yeah, with, if, in terms of that price, I would consider Pulisic the most because I think he's the most explosive. But, you know, Kai Havertz is somebody that kind of sliding under a lot of people's radars right now. Um, he's uh, returned, and not counting this uh, 0-0 draw with Man United, he's returned attacking uh, returns in the past three game weeks. So game weeks three to five, he's returned. And he's only right now... Um, I believe he's only 8.3% owned, so that's still pretty low at, at an 8.4 price. So he's only 0.1 million higher than ZH. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, than Pulisic. So I, that's something I also kind of consider. He kind of looks nailed on. Um, I know at the beginning of the season, he kind of looked uh, terrible with like zero shots for the first like two game weeks. And, uh, and, and he was uh, playing like between the center backs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but recently, I mean, recently the whole Chelsea team just looked like they picked up their scoring abilities. But I, I was sticking with... Uh, if I had to, if I, you know, budget was an option, I would definitely choose uh, Timo Werner up top for as a Chelsea asset. I feel like he, he's the best so far. I, I think he's hitting stride right now, and I believe he can, you know, go off for that 25 or like 20 plus for sure uh, goal season easily now. 20 plus goals in the Prem for sure? Or yeah. Overall? Wow. wow. In the Prem. I feel, I feel like he's uh, he can do that. Somebody with his uh, skills and the type mm-hmm. of caliber player mm-hmm. he is. That'd be nice. That's what I was uh, kind of hoping for before the year, but I I, uh, I got scared by his opening couple games. Uh, might look back. And now, I know this this uh, segment wasn't about Pulisic, but let me throw a question to you guys. Would you upgrade? Just has nothing to do with my team, just a totally random question. But um, would you consider upgrading Hamas Rodriguez to a Christian Pulisic if you could afford it? Because uh, Hamas seems to be going down and Christian seems to be trending up. I would I would transfer out Hamas and bring in um, someone like uh, James Milner probably uh, for talking about like for potential transfers. Hey, hey, you know I love James Milner, uh, so don't tempt me because I'll no. do it. I don't know. I don't he know. Might that's, that's on penalties. He might be on penalties. James yeah, Milner but Sal, is... Sal, Sal, Sal took the one with Milner on the field in the championship game. Okay, okay, good to know. Um, yeah, James Milner for no good reason is one of my favorite players in the prep. Like I, going back to his city days, I don't know what it is. Just, just love the way he looks on the pitch. I think <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but Hamas or, or Christian, real quick. I would. Uh, uh, 
I feel like I would transfer it just to catch the Christian uh, Pulisic uh, price drop because he dropped down to 8.3 right mm-hmm. now. That's where he's at. So I'll catch that because I feel like once he starts scoring goals, he's going to go back up over that. So I'll kind of catch that. Um, but besides that, I think, you know, Hamas is still a great pick. I think everything going to struggle for the next few game weeks just because of uh, the suspension uh, to Digny and uh, Richarlison also. So right. I feel like. I feel like they're going to struggle a little bit, but at the same time, um, you know, Hamas at that price, you're getting a really big budget of players playing. He's essentially playing right wing now. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, wouldn't, I, would, I wouldn't transfer out Hamas just because of the suspensions, though, because Dini's got reduced to one game even. So it's really not yeah. too long. Yeah, so it's really not too bad. Um, like, I, I don't think it's long enough that you would consider transferring out Hamas because of, you know, some of the other important players for Everton missing. I think if you want to make the move, it's because you want Pulisic in your team um, and with him looking very, very solid and um, kind of still, you know, even with the more expensive transfers coming in, he kind of still looks like he's the main man on that Chelsea attack. Um, they they the did give him the number 10 kit for a reason. They, yeah, they, so if he's, yeah. if he's, he should be starting pretty much every single Premier League game, barring any injuries. So mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I really want him in my team as well. It's just a question of making sure – Frank Lampard, the moron, isn't doing anything stupid with his lineups um, and making sure he's fully back from injury. Mm-hmm. And we, we can't trust Frank not to be a moron. So uh. No, not, not only fatty. C4, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hobbits or Christian? Real quick. Uh, I made the exact transfer you're talking about during the international break. So I think oh, that answered okay. your question. There you go. All right. I might be able to mess around and do Foden to Pulisic, which would be beautiful, but uh, I might not be able to make that work with the funds. But let's move on uh, from, let's go talk about some four and a half to five million price defenders. Do you even need any premiums in your back line this season? Or can you just rock with the four and a half and fives? Uh, Gash, start us off. I'm kind of chicken of taking Robertson out of my team. Um, and that's the reason why I still have him in there along with a bunch of four to four. And I think my next highest price defender is four and a half. So I am pretty much in this range, save for Robertson. And I, I think the, my reasoning behind that is it's still only been a couple of game weeks. So I'm going to kind of wait and see how they do over the Liverpool do over the next few game weeks. If Robertson is still bringing the attacking returns, then I think I might keep him um, just because he has that added clean sheet potential. So depending on how solid the back line looks, I mean, who knows? The, the youngster that's coming in, you know, could come in and be an absolute baller and they start actually looking somewhat decent defensively. I'm not saying I think that's going to happen. I'm not saying I want that to happen either. Um, right. I, I just think it's something worth considering because once you get rid of your premiums in defense and you have a fully budget back line, it's going to be a real pain in the ass trying to get a premium defender back in if they start performing. So yeah, I'm really almost afraid, afraid of decision, right? Yeah, so I'm afraid of making that move one way and then having it bite me uh, in the ass, and then having to try to make the move uh, the the opposite direction, and it's going to be a lot more difficult. Yeah, yeah, good point, good point. But what scares me is uh, the fact that they went with Fabinho back there uh, at midweek. That, that just shows. That kind of tells me that they don't trust whoever is uh, lined up to take that spot. Next. Yeah, I don't know. Well, uh. uh What's his face? Um, Matip might be back, or he's close oh. to coming back. So um, he's all right. We'll see. You'll see how they line up. Yeah, yeah. 
He passes, yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> not, he's no Virgil, but uh, he's all right. <laughs> yeah, Nobody's he's Virgil, Virgin. to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, Taz, how about you, man? What do you think? Um, I think it's just a kind of repeat of a little bit of last season where we saw a lot of five and a half towards the end of the restart, like a lot of five and a half. Uh, five million uh, pound defenders really come uh, to fruition. So I feel like the same thing is happening now. You're seeing a lot of like you know, both uh, Chelsea fullbacks um, as well as a couple other players in that price range. You know, I would even start. You know, you could kind of even look at Man United now, kind of uh, showing a little bit of signs of form. <laughs> I guess just uh, kind of uh, <laughs> hinted no, but uh. Yeah, no, besides that, I kind of uh, I kind of agree the main point. Like, I'm also the same uh, with Gash in terms of, like, being kind of afraid to, like, you know, downgrade for that premium asset Robertson because, you know, I think he still has uh, chances for turning points. It's significantly, uh, you know, consistently also. But uh, it's kind of like once you go down to, like, a four and a half, you know, it's very hard to bring him back up, bring, like, a premium midfielder back on. So I think, like, my, like it's kind of like I have two free transfers right now and I don't want to – you know, let one just roll like one just disappear because it doesn't roll over into the next game week. But I'm thinking of downgrading Robertson to like a chill or somebody like that, and just you know, kind of not really upgrading those funds elsewhere, but like kind of seeing you know what else I can do within my team. Just hold it for a week. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, C4, what are you thinking? So I'm just thinking back to how last year I never owned Trent. I only owned Robertson for I think like the last five game weeks. When I was doing very poorly. Wait, so you had neither of them for most of the year? Yeah, and so I'm thinking, yeah, like, I'm not that chicken to it just because I've done it before. So this Mm -hmm. might be a cop out answer, but I think it's an exercise I'll go through tomorrow is make two wild card teams, one with Robertson still in there, and one with the cheap back line, and see which team I like more. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Any final thoughts on, on this? That four and a, the the budget defense does seem to be a move this year. Uh, there's a lot of players getting points and, and performing well, and you know, if I was on a wild card, I might do it. Uh, let's move on here. We got a we got an interesting uh, question here. Uh, I think I think it was a C4's idea, right? Uh, if you had to create a new FPL chip, what would it be? Um, so C4, since it was your question, I assume you have an answer ready. So why don't, why don't you start us up? When I asked the question, I didn't have an answer ready, but my answer is I would call it the super sub. And essentially what it would be is you could replace one person in your starting lineup with someone who's already played on your bench as long as the person in your lineup hasn't played yet. I don't know if that's enough to make it a full chip, but... Uh So you're saying... saying if somebody performs really well and they're on your bench, then you can bring them in, but yeah. only for somebody who hasn't so, played yet. You That's know how most people have, like, you know, one week where they have someone in double digits on their bench? Right, right. Like a chip so you can capitalize on that. Hmm. But why Why before That's, the other guy plays? Pardon? Why not? Why, why before the, uh, the replacement plays? So why that you can't play it, like, at the end of the game week. Yeah. That so that maybe a better, better rule would be you, yeah. you have to play it before like the end of the last game in a game week. Mm, mm. Well, uh, we, we know we know how bad the FPL site is with updating their apps and letting you do anything until like yeah. eight hours after a game week uh, ends. So they would yeah. have to they would have to significantly up their system. Mm-hmm. But I like it. I like it. Uh, I, I could definitely use that a couple of times. Uh, Gash, you got one? 
Yeah, so I would call this uh, like the, the overload or something, but it's basically a free hit, but there's no limit on the number of players from a single team. Ooh. So you can you can you can take like whatever if you're crazy you can make like the full starting eleven and try to predict, <laughs> like, you know, one team starting eleven or something or just you know yeah. it could be really fun in like a double game week where uh, a Ooh. double game week for some and a blank game week for others where you just load up on those teams that are actually playing so Ooh. I think that'd be a, a fun like uh, it's probably too close to the free hit but I think it'd be a fun thing to do yeah I would uh, I'd probably use that this weekend and get a bunch of Arsenal players in my squad. Uh, ahead of the match. <laughs> oh, are they playing Newcastle or? <laughs> um, Taz, how about you? You got one? Um, I wouldn't. I don't know. I can't think of one that I would want to bring in, but I would love to modify the free hit chip and make it where you know, you don't have a, a budget for that game week. I feel like that would be like a really cool uh, thing, and it would make it more interesting where people wouldn't just rely on it for when it's like blank game weeks. You know, you would also rely on it when maybe like two powerful team you know like my city and like you know Liverpool are both playing really like you know relegation tier teams like with like five game weeks left so i feel like that'd be pretty cool yeah that'd be sick that'd be sick so so an unlimited free hit like so yeah you don't have a price budget for that one week though uh i don't i don't have one uh because i just saw this question now uh well i, I saw it like right before the show and uh i didn't, I didn't think of one um how about an fpl chip where if you miss the deadline uh, you know, you could still set your team. No, no. Just, just once a year. No. <laughs> <laughs> once a year, you you yeah, just once. Like 10 more times this season. <laughs> I, I, I promise that's the only time it's happening this year. Um, <laughs> <Eight weeks next. laughs> um, I think by this time, I think this is the time last year where I missed like three or four in a row. Uh, I just didn't. Yeah, I was like top 2,000 in the United States, and then I just forgot about it. So it's too much pressure. <laughs> yeah, too much pressure. <laughs> um, all right, and lastly, let's uh, let's talk about our captain picks for this game. Um, Taz, start us off, buddy. Um, I think for this game week, I'm tempted to go somebody with a uh, Kane playing Brian. I, I don't think Brian uh, are gonna keep or like challenge. Uh, that uh, Spurs team that much defensively, so I think I'm gonna go with Kane. But at the same time, um, I feel like it's uh, you know Liverpool style is almost kind of picture proof, but playing in for West Ham, it's uh, it's kind of like ha- I have some doubts in there. And then at the same time, you know, uh, I would say if you have uh, Vardy, that'd be kind of a great uh, differential pick for captaincy. But they're mm-hmm. playing Leeds, who you know have been a dark horse team so far this season. So um, yeah, for my pick so far, you know, Ma- you know Man City playing Sheffield away, I feel like it's a um, also, a solid of picks if you pick KDB or Sterling, but I think I'll go with Kane. Kane, okay. Gash? Um, I have to go with my, my FPL man, Mo Salah. Uh, I think that uh, thinking back to the Liverpool days when their defense was still crap, like, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago when they were winning games like 4-3 and stuff like that. And as well, That's if fun. their defense is bad and, and they're, you know, they're conceding a lot of goals, that means Salah or Mane is going to have to step up and, and score a lot on the other end to keep, keep them in the game. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think their defense is as bad as it was back then, but I still think that Salah, they're going to rely on Salah a little bit more than usual because they can't really – it's going to be a lot tougher for them to grind out like 1-0 or 2-1 wins. Mm-hmm. So that they're going to need a little bit more uh, firepower up top or, or their, their main guns to perform a little bit more. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, C4? One, Kane, two, Salah, three, Sterling. 
Oh, I didn't realize you got three captain picks. That's cool. Taz is way asked for it for the graphic, anyways. I'm just getting a hurt head start. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's actually so, not. That's actually not a bad chip. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's that's my chip. I agree. It's mine. Got it. <laughs> it's the triple captain, but in different no, no, no. Way. It's the captain triple. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, and my captain choice, uh, I still don't have my team set. I'm going to make a, a big transfer with one of my premium players. Uh, but as of right now, Salah looks like a good option. Uh, but if I do bring KDB or Sterling in, because uh, I have Bruno right now, and I don't want Bruno playing that mighty Arsenal defense anchored by Mustafi this weekend, probably. <laughs> so um, <laughs> Actually... I just talked myself into it. I'm captaining Bruno, I think. <laughs> no, oh, well, look at it this way. Either you're happy because Bruno goes off or you're happy because Arsenal wins. That's true. No matter what, I'll be happy. Or, or, <laughs> Dr. Marcus, or Dr. Marcus Rashford, MBE, scores a double hat trick and Bruno doesn't get any goals or assists. You know, I love Marcus Rashford. I'll, I'm just want to throw that out there. So that, uh, God, his, yeah. Can we can we give a, can we give a quick shout out to Mister to Doctor Marcus Rashford for that hat trick against Leipzig today? I think someone I think someone told him that the the Leipzig goalie was a Tory and he's just been you know tearing them up in Parliament lately. So he just went for it straight for the the, the neck. <laughs> Got some British political uh, humor in there. Yeah, nice. I hope that was all accurate because yeah. I kind of just I kind of just repeat what I hear on Twitter and stuff. So. <laughs> that's a good way. That's that's how I formed all my political opinions. Uh, yep. C <laughs> four. Uh, uh, yeah. Somebody just come in. I, I saw you uh, mute yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you guess guess for next week. Um. <laughs> all right. Any uh, any final things you want to talk about you want to bring up i love marcus no. rashford i do too top lad top lad uh just hope he doesn't do anything this weekend that's all <laughs> oh I hope, I hope he does everything hey we got score predictions this is a big game three of us are uh very excited about this one uh we're talking we about the Newcastle one right <laughs> i'm talking about <laughs> arsenal united my guy what you got um, what you got what's the score I'm actually more afraid because United have been a lot better away from home than at home this season. Well, besides the win over Leipzig today, but I'm gonna say, uh, I'm gonna say three-one United. Goal scorers. Uh, uh, Rashford, <laughs> Rashford two, Bruno one. Okay. Okay. Uh, Taz, how about you? Oh, and our, I, guess, I, guess, I don't care for Arsenal. <laughs> I'm gonna say two-two. Uh, gonna be a draw. Uh, goal scorers, I'm going to say Aubameyang and Saka. And for United, it's going to be uh, Greenwood and Martial. Mm-hmm. Mostly, I'm just uh, hoping Rashford and Bruno don't score because I'm having a game team and that's what do. It's going to be pretty hard for Martial because he's still suspended. But, I mean, maybe a little exactly. bit of a miracle. <laughs> uh, C4, I know, C4, I know you don't have a, a horse in this race, but uh, you, you have a prediction? No, no. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, and I'm going to say 2 0 Arsenal. Goals from uh, Pepe and. Oh, God. And Thomas Party. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be party time. Dos a cero. Um, yeah, so that, that wraps it up for uh, FPL Hotline uh, for this game week six no game week seven episode good luck to everybody this week make sure you follow us on social media we keep saying we're going to be posting daily and uh we'll get there we'll get there just give us some time (laughs) um 
uh, yeah, as for that, thank you, C4, Gash, and Taz. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Peace.